0: You may be seated.
1: There are so many things we can be praying for. We wanna, first of all, praise the Lord for God's love. We wanna praise the Lord that uh, we have a warm place to be in a night that is so cold. And then we wanna pray for Julie Christensen. She has some very uh, tough medical tests coming up tomorrow. Ashley Kosciuk and her uh, struggle with breast cancer. We want to pray for those that will be traveling over the holidays. And then, you know, we need to continue to pray for people in this world. Uh, There's a lot of suffering, and we want to pray for people that are going through that suffering. So let's go into prayer. Holy Father, we first of all have to stop and pause and praise you for your love for us. It's so great. Help us to never forget that love. And Lord, we thank you for the simple things like a warm house, a place to be out of the cold. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, there are people that are going through physical tough times. We pray for Ashley and Jarrett Kostick. We pray for healing. We pray that there would be uh, no struggles with the chemotherapy. And Lord, we pray for Julie Christensen, who has some very complicated medical exam- examinations. We pray that they would go well and that there would be a good report. And Lord, as we celebrate this time of year and we will be traveling, we pray for safety and protection in those travels. And Lord, we have to stop and pause and realize that there are people going through incredibly hard times during these holiday seasons. For the innocent people in Aleppo that uh, are being tortured, some even killed, Lord, we would pray for their safety and protection. And Lord, we pray for those that innocence uh, is robbed of through abortions. We would pray that they would stop. Lord, we would pray that your love would be so great that it would change us, that we would be loving even to those people that we would even sometimes label as enemies. So Lord, help us to show the love of Christ during this Christmas season. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. As I said earlier, we've been going through Christmas through the eyes of different characters. And this morning, we have a new character. And uh, it's Christmas through the eyes of Joseph. So why don't we welcome Joseph into uh, the sanctuary at this time and uh, give him a round of applause. Oh, okay.
0: There he is. Hi. My name is Joseph, and boy, do I have a story for you. It's a story about fairness and unfairness. Life isn't fair. Have you ever heard that phrase? Let me tell you just how unfair life can be. As a young man, I had many so-called dreams. I dreamt to be a carpenter, to make a good living, a sustainable living, That would allow me to take care of and provide for a family. Now with that dream came the desire to find a young woman of my dreams. In the heart of every young man beats the desire for love. Now in the time I lived in, 2,000 years ago or so, one did not simply meet a young woman, fall in love with her as you do today. Now had to make an agreement with her parents to marry their daughter. That might seem unfair to you, but that's not my story of fairness and unfairness. No, mine's much worse. Let me tell you the first time I laid eyes on Mary. I was enamored by her, her beautiful dark flowing hair, her compelling eyes that drew me in. And the way she carried herself was more than enough to convince me that she was the one. I know, I know, love goes much deeper than that. But I can't help but admit, I found her absolutely stunning. So when my parents met with her parents to see about an agreement between the two of us, I couldn't have been any happier. My dreams were coming true. So. I began to put all of my plans into action. I started to build the perfect home for the two of us as I learned more and more about her from her family, friends, and herself. It was a wonderful time, or so I thought. I later received the most unfair news imaginable. Mary was pregnant. She was going to have a baby. What? How? I didn't think she was that kind of a girl. (sighs) We'd never lived together or been together, so I knew that I couldn't be the father. How unfair this was for me. I mean, I loved her, but I felt so cheated. Yet the unfairness that I felt could not outweigh my love for her. So, I made the painful decision to quietly divorce her. That night, I struggled to sleep. I tossed and turned, thought and rethought. After what seemed like endless hours of dreadful head games, I fell into a fitful sleep. Then it happened a crazy, out of the box, unexplainable dream. In that dream, an angel of the Lord spoke to me. He said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, for what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I woke in a cold sweat, not knowing what to think. I had a choice to make a choice that no man before or since has ever had to make. When I take Mary home, who I was just told was going to have a baby because by the power of God, she was pregnant. Who would ever believe that story? They would think that we had broken God's sacred law and had already been together before we were officially married. How unfair this was for the both of us. But then again, I thought, what if this dream was true? How could God expect Mary to be the mother of God? How could God expect me to be the earthly father to such a baby? How unfair it would be to be called dad by the son of God? How could I be honored by such a role in all of human history? when I am so ordinary and so incapable? (sighs) Would fear or faith win in the midst of such a choice? I was humbled by the mere thoughts. (laughs) But yes, indeed, I would humbly accept this wonderful burden. and My dreams would be forever transformed. I would have the opportunity to teach this little boy how to plane a piece of wood. I would teach him how to build something from that wood he created. I would say nighttime prayers to the one I should be praying to. I would teach him the Ten Commandments, and he would die for my sins because I had broken them, and he never did. And he would favor me with the privilege of loving his mother and raising him as my son. Life indeed is not always fair. But God's love and justice outweighs any unfairness this world offers. Thank you.
1: That was phenomenal, don't you think? That was tremendous. Thank you, David, and his brother Joseph, who filmed him. (laughs) This morning I said, how's Joseph doing? And the wrong Joseph answered. So, but uh, just overlooking what Joseph shared this morning, can you imagine what it's like or what it would have been like to be the father or the stepfather of God? You know, if if you're a parent of a child that grows up to be someone famous, that's something special, but to be the stepfather of God. It's unimaginable, isn't it? You can't even comprehend something like that. And, and you know, the problem is, is we have a tendency when we look at the, the biblical characters, we have a tendency to turn them into super spiritual heroes. But we have to remember that Joseph was an ordinary man. He was a carpenter. He wasn't really prepared as, well, could anyone be prepared to be the father of God? And yet that's what he's called to do. You know, Joseph, like you and me, had weaknesses and strengths, talents and flaws. Could anyone really be ready for the job? that Joseph was called to do. Author Mary Fairchild uh, gives us a snapshot of Joseph, a profile of him. God chose Joseph to be the earthly father of Jesus. The Bible tells us in the Gospel of Matthew that Jesus was a righteous man. His actions towards Mary, his fiancée, revealed that he was kind and a sensitive man. When Mary told Joseph she was pregnant, he had every right to, to feel disgraced. He knew that the child was not his own, and Mary's apparent unfaithfulness carried a grave social enigma. Joseph not only had the right to divorce Mary, under Jewish law, he had the right to stone and kill her. Although Joseph's initial reaction was to break the engagement, the appropriate thing for a righteous man to do. He treated Mary with extreme kindness. He did not want to cause her further shame, so he decided to act quietly. But God sent an angel to Joseph to verify Mary's story and reassure him that his marriage to her was God's will. Joseph willingly obeyed God in spite of the public humiliations he would face. So what lessons can we learn and take from Christmas through the eyes of Joseph. Again, like I said, every week there's many lessons we can take. I just give you 3 each week. The lessons I want you to grasp today is one, God is not fair. Two, it's not easy to follow God's will, but God still calls us to obedience. And three, God's love and justice is greater than any unfairness this world has to offer. So what about God's not fair? Now, if I would have said that on the street, God's not fair, you probably would say, that's wrong. But the truth is, God is not fair, and we should be glad. We should rejoice that God's not fair, because if God was fair we would be toast. Because if God was fair, we would, re- we would, we would receive punishment. We would receive judgment. You see, we, that's what we deserve. If God was fair, he would look at us and say, Oh, Darren, you know that sin you repeat it here, that one there, that one, and there's a lot of them, just so you understand, God would say, you deserve hell. That's what a fair God would do. But that's not what we receive, is it? Because God is loving, generous, graceful, forgiving. God, we receive something else, don't we? And that is something for which we should rejoice and celebrate. And that's what really Christmas is all about. Now the reason I bring up this point, and the, the play did a really good job on this, Joseph had to have felt that God was pretty unfair with him. You know, a young man dreams to have a lady to marry. She gets pregnant. Unfair. Unfair. Everything that he had hoped was ripped out from underneath him. And he could have said, It's unfair. And I'm sure he felt that it was unfair. Now, have you ever felt that God was unfair with you? If we think about it, we probably all have. Unfairness comes in all shapes and sizes, doesn't it? You're in a hurry. And you got to go buy that last gift at the shopping mall. And you're looking for a close parking space. And it seems like God only gives you one that's a mile away. Unfair. Now that's pretty trivial, isn't it? But what about a diagnosis of cancer? That seems pretty unfair. It's not trivial, is it? It hits right at the heart. How could this possibly be? Well, the Bible says in Matthew 5.45, He makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. In other words, that unfairness that we feel, that we cannot understand, God has a purpose and reason for it. One that I'll be honest as a pastor and having dealt with people over the years, I don't have the answer to. And people who pretend they have the answer, I think they're pretending. (laughs) Because I don't know how to look into the eyes of of someone who, who says, I have six months left to live. And I had so much more planned in my life. Seems so unfair. But on the other hand, I want to say this, though. We may not know why, but we can still trust God. That God is in control, that He can redeem the mess the mess that sometimes we make, or the mess that this world makes in our lives. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that for all those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. How is that possible? It's only possible because this Jesus that was born in Bethlehem was born to go to the cross. That cross is the symbol of the most unfair thing that ever happened in the world and it was all that unfairness that was put on Jesus Christ that could redeem, reconcile, reverse all of the unfairness that you and I experience in this world it's that unfairness that was put on Christ that three days later Christ rose from the dead means that all that stuff that happens to us, it can be resurrected. And I look at my good friend Dave over here. Jill's resurrected. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The unfairness that was put on Christ means Jill is in heaven. Isn't that a beautiful, good news? But God is not fair. Praise the Lord that he isn't. The second point, it's not easy to follow God's will. Still, God calls us to walk in obedience. Over the years, probably one of the most asked questions that I have received is, what's God's will for my life? Again, it's not a a question I have really an answer for, uh, clearly, Um, because when we ask that question a lot of times we're asking not the implication is not really what we're seeking we don't really want to know God's will what we want is God I want to do this will you bless it we want God to come along with us rather than for us to go along with God And so what are we really doing when we ask for God's will? God's will comes in all kinds of shapes and sizes, but it seldom comes with what I want. It has to come with what He wants. And I'm going to give you a very oversimplified example here. Uh, For example, imagine that uh, you are in the process of buying a new car. One could ask the question, is it God's will that I buy a red car or a blue car? And God probably is thinking, just make a decision. I mean, I mean, he might say, Have a, you should buy a red car, but I, I sometimes think that we, we seek for God's will in the wrong place. And God's just saying, okay, buy a car. But, but on the other hand, There's a more deeper understanding of this. Another question that we should probably ask in buying a car is this. Should I really buy a brand new car with all the bells and whistles that cost far too much than I can afford, that might strap me from really being generous in other areas of my life? Or should I buy a car that is more practical, it lacks some of the curb appeal that I wish I could have, but it would af- I could afford the payments and maybe be more generous. You see, God's will probably looks deeper than we look. See, I said this is oversimplified, but uh, the reality is this, is, is are we buying a car based on biblical values or on our wants? And sometimes, maybe we should buy a used car rather than a new car. Because God wants to do something with really what is his money in the first place. Although we think it's ours, don't we? The reality is this, is, is I would say this, 95%, and that's a made-up number, of God's will has been revealed to us already. It's called the Bible. And yet, the other part of the will that we tend to focus on is God's free will, where he gives us the opportunity to make a choice for ourselves. And we focus so much on that that we neglect his revealed will, which is the word of God. And let's be honest, the word of God is not easy sometimes to follow. Sometimes it kind of puts a crimp in our style. It tells us to do something that we don't want to do. And yet we're called to obey it. Anyways. And as a culture we're facing that far more than we've ever thought. I think. You know, and I I look at Joseph. He was called to obey God. Even though people would look at him and go, Joseph, did you and Mary, for lack of better words, play around before you were married? You know, his reputation was going to be destroyed by obeying God. And you think about history. The history of the church is filled with saints that were willing to obey God To follow God's will, even though it doesn't make sense. And I'm just going to give you the two examples, two examples that are often used. Jim Elliott, he's going to go to the Aka Indians. He obeys God, and he dies as a result. He's a martyr. Doesn't make sense. Eric Little... Olympic athlete refuses to run on the Sabbath. He obeys God anyways, even though everyone else is telling telling him, what's the big deal? Run anyways. See, there's a list of people who have been asked to follow the will of God, obey him, although the world says don't. You can compromise. If you go to Hebrews 11:32 32 through 40, there's a long list, and I read this list because these are the names of people that are often forgotten in the Bible. Some are remembered, some are forgotten. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who, th- who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received back their dead by resurrection. That sounds all good, but then here comes the list of others. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking, and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in the deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive What was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. It's not easy to follow the will of God. Some people say the safest place to be is in the center of God's will. The truth is, on this earth, sometimes it's the most dangerous place to be, is in the center of God's will. Because it comes at such a great price. To walk in obedience to Christ. Sometimes it comes at death. Which leads to the third point. God's love and justice is greater than any unfairness this world offers. You see, God has the ability to redeem all this unfairness, as I said earlier, and use it for his glory. God can choose the ordinary individuals of Joseph, and as we'll look at next Christmas Eve here, or this Christmas Eve, Mary to bring his one and only son into this world. God entrusted a couple that none of us would have chosen. It was up to us, we would have not chose Mary and Joseph, but God did. Whereas we have a tendency to see all the reasons why not about people, God looks at us and says, why I could use that person for my purpose and my glory. You know, and the stories of a lot of individuals come to my mind as I think of broken people with broken lives and how God used them. Again, these are common people that you've heard of. Uh, Johnny Erickson Tata a teen, broke her neck as a teenager. How did God use her? How is God still using her? I mean, she's been given the opportunity to bring the hope of Christ to many people throughout the world. Another individual that maybe some of you know, Brennan Manning. A Catholic priest who was an alcoholic who ended up giving up his priesthood to get married and ended up divorced. And yet... Brennan Manning is, teaches the profound truths of God, God's grace. And if you've never read the Rega Muffin Gospel, I think you should. Because God uses a broken man to teach about God's great grace. You know, about four weeks ago, we watched a video of Joel Sonnenberg. 80% of his body Burned. Now a spokesperson that shares the good news of Christ. And the list of God using broken people is amazing. You know what that means? God can use you and me. That's the good news. And see, God can take his love and justice and all the unfairness that has happened to us and use it for his purpose and glory. And so we have these lessons that we can take from Joseph You know, that God isn't fair. That it's not easy to follow God's will, but he still calls us to obedience. And then he can take our brokenness. In fact, it seems like God is an expert at using our brokenness, isn't it? To proclaim the good news to a world that is also broken. And so I'd like to pray that we would learn these lessons And lean into these lessons so that others can see Christ in us during this season. So let's pray. Holy Father, we thank you and praise you. We thank you and praise you that you were unfair by sending your son Christ into this world to die for us. Thank you that our unfairness is wiped out by the cross. And we are made right with you. And Lord, we want to do your will and yet we focus more on our will. Help us to surrender and walk in obedience to you. And Lord, help us to trust that your love and justice is greater than the unfairness this world offers and that you can take our brokenness and bring glory to yourself. Lord, we thank you for this season in which we remember that you came to earth. Lord, help us to point people To you in heaven, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.